Yeah, come on, let's give God some praise. Isn't he worthy of praise? It's so good to just come into a place where we can get our, get our mind and our heart in the right place. Amen? And as we've just seen here and as we've worshipped, we are in a fight. Right? And we are in a fight against who? Not one another, not your husband or wife. We are in a fight against the enemy, right? There's all kinds of chaos and confusion going on in the world. Aren't you just glad that God has the answer? So we're going to talk today about this little book of Jude. We are in the latter part. We're almost done with this book. And so we're going to be in verses 20 to 23. Before we get there, I just want to mention a couple things that uh, are really on, on our radar that I just want to say just a big thank you um, to all those who served and went to Mexico uh, for the day to serve children and bring all of the gifts that you brought and just gave and gave and gave. So thankful. And I just, I love our country. I love our military. I love our military families. When someone said, hey, we should do a Christmas stocking promotion for all the military families here at um, El Toro Marine, or not El Toro Marine Base, but um, Camp Pendleton, yes. I was like, we are all in, right? So um, I just thank you. All the spots were filled. All the gifts were given. So just amazing. Please don't forget that Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve falls on Sunday. And so um, we have four services. And those services are de- designed so that you can obviously be here to worship. But we want to encourage you. Bring somebody with you. 9, 11, 1, and 3. And so um, that's going to be just a great time of just worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? Um, also, on the website, we're doing something kind of new this year for you, for all of us. It's a Christmas gift to you. Um, it's an Advent 25-day calendar. If you go to mvcchome.org, or if you ha- download the app, if you haven't downloaded the app, you can take your phone right now, MVCC Home. You can download the app, and you just click on Christmas, and there's a 25-day, it's a daily, really cool devotional that just walks us through the Christmas story and just gets our hearts and minds ready for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, right? Well, we need to fight for the good fight. There are certain fights that are not worthy of being involved in, although there is one fight that's worthy of being involved in. And if you feel like today, maybe, you know what, Mike, I just feel kind of a little, um, I feel a little dry. I just feel like my faith is just kind of flat. I just, you talk about this fight and battle, it doesn't feel like I'm in the right battle. You ever feel like you've been in the wrong fight? That's not a good place to be. I want you to be in the right one. So today there's going to be a shift in the book of Jude. We've taken a look at the first 19 verses over the past few weeks. And uh, I want to say thank you to Pastor Scott for filling in. Pastor Zach did a great job while I was gone for three weeks. And uh, so most of the focus has been on these People who come into the church to bring false teaching. They, they want to come in to divide, to disrupt the church, to run havoc in your life. They want to dis, uh, uh, dissuade and they want to dismantle your relationships with God, relationships with people. And so he was really, uh, Jude is really hard hitting. Um, there's no question about where Jude is at in these first 19 verses. Today we're looking at 20 to 23 where there's a major shift now where God wants us to look at him and he wants us to look at ourselves. You ready to do that? Amen. When I um, used to be able to play tennis, <laughs> before my foot injury, um, I uh, remember I had a coach, oh man, back in high school. He was tough. There are some coaches in athletics that, you know, they're, they're good. Some that are really hard on you. This guy was absolutely just brutal. 
From the moment we got on the court, he didn't even let us touch a racket or touch a tennis ball. He would make us run laps. We'd have to do all kinds of exercises and stuff. I mean, he, he would get us to the point where, like, we were throwing up on the corner of the tennis court out by the gates, you know, at El Toro High School, some of our, our places to, to practice were. But I just remember one thing he always taught us. You have to. I remember he'd get behind us, and there'd be four of us in a drill, and he'd say, you have to learn how to shift If you don't shift into the ball and where you want to go, you're not going to make it. You're not going to win. You have to shift. And he'd yell like four across the courts. There's a shift. I see it right over there. There's one. He'd never yell at me because I couldn't do it right. But there's a shift over there. This is a major. Somebody say shift. Shift. This is a major shift now in the book where he's going to ask us to humbly look at ourselves and look at the way God sees The world. We live in a messed up world. I don't think there's any of us here that don't know that. And just so, I'm so glad that God gives us these little reminders, like in Psalm 37, 23, where God says, The steps of a good man, steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Same can be said of women, steps of a good woman are ordered by the Lord. And I'm glad for that because we want to look at ourselves, we want to make sure we're walking in step. With where God wants us to be. So in verses 20, as we're going to just look at these here, I really want to dissect this, pick this apart, and I want this to be just good food for your soul. You ready for some good food? We don't want junk food on Sunday morning, right? We want good food, right? We have verses 20 to 23. But you, dear friends, I love how Jude addresses the people of God. You are my dear friends. Your family, you are close We are blood brothers. We are blood sisters because of what Christ has done for us, right? Must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about, which is so exciting to me. Verse 21, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. We'll talk about that also. And you must show mercy. To those whose faith is wavering, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. There are three groups of people here. Just, I, want to get, I just want to drill down quickly because it's important that we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Son of God, right? We want to know something about the Word, but then Holy Spirit, give me something to do, and we'll get to that. So first of all, there are three groups of people that Jude, throughout this little tiny book, he's, just, he's going after them. And these are the people who may be in the church today, not our church, But they may be in a church today who have a philosophy that I've accepted Jesus and therefore I have a license to sin. I can just do whatever I want because I'm covered by God's grace. I'm covered because I know that God loves me so I can do whatever I want. Then I can just go back to the confessional or I can go back to Jesus and just ask him to forgive me. That's the first group of people he was addressing. The second group of people were the spiritual elite These are the people that are above everybody else. They kind of have a spiritual superiority. They think they know God more than anyone else. They think they have this intimate secret walk with God where God gives them secret messages. And these are the types of people that walk around saying, I have a word from the Lord for you. He told me to tell you. And it's not really done with scripture. It's done out of an egotistical perspective. Does that make sense? And number three is those who are just lost without God, which excites my soul. 
To be around lost people is one of the most exciting things. I love all of you. You are family to me. I love you. Y'all can come over to my house. You know, there's enough room, hopefully, in the backyard. The front. You can come over to my house. Our house is always open. My cell phone, I like give it to everybody. But I love. Give me a dirty old pagan, man. Give me somebody who just doesn't know God and searching through life because I remember what life was like. Never, ever forget that once you were lost and God found your life. And because he found your life, that's why it's so important that we worship. It's so important that we study. It's important that we love and serve and give back and share our faith because why? God so loved us, how could I hold anything back from him? So these are the three types of people you absolutely want to be aware of. Not everybody in the church is happy-go-lucky, loves Jesus, behind the vision. We're just here to support the vision. We're here to support God. We're here to just make God look good. There are some who infiltrate themselves into the church. And if you own a business or you're in the working world or maybe a neighborhood experience, there are people that I believe sometimes the enemy will position to bring division and confusion how do we know the enemy's working division and confusion that's how he works and so we want to be very aware it's not that we want to uh, obsess over this we just want to be aware so in these verses there are some really clear directives what I want for us to grab onto today in our few minutes together as we are just, all this is worship for God. This is all for him. Number one is, I want you to have such a passion to build yourself up in your faith. There are some moments that you don't have anyone to cry out to other than God. And if you're living for more than 20 minutes on earth, you know that you've had those darkest of moments where if you pick up a phone and try to explain your situation and the depths of despair or depression or discouragement or God, what in the world are you doing? They wouldn't understand what you're talking about because they're not you, but God knows you. And there are moments that you need to build yourself up in your faith. It says in the book of Samuel that David encouraged himself I'm thankful for brothers and sisters. I'm thankful for garden friends. I'm thankful for those moments that at 2.33 and 30 seconds in the morning, there are people that I can call in the morning and pour out my heart. But there are certain things that only belong to God. And that's where intimacy is built. God, why am I going through this difficulty? Why do I have to go through pain? Why do I have to go through suffering? Why is there the season of life, God? I don't understand what you're doing. It may be that God is allowing this so that we can grow in intimacy with him. He wants us to love him. The Christian life is not just duty. It's not just doing the right things. It's a passionate love affair with God. And when we love God, we'll want to do the things that he wants us to do. That's why I want you to have a passion. You know what, Mike? I'm with you. I want to build up my faith. I want to do everything I possibly can to build up faith. So that I can love Jesus more. Second, he says, I want you to learn to pray in the spirit, man. Oh, that's so good. There's a lot of praying that we can do. All praying is good. But I want to pray in accordance with the spirit. Number three is keeping yourselves in the love of God. Now that, we'll get to that in a second. I thought God just loved me. He does. We'll get to that in just a minute. But keeping myself under the favor of God's love is where we want to be. And then, of course... Snatching people from the destruction that brings is bringing to so many people, right? Fact, God is love. God loves everyone. 
God loves you and he loves me. First John four sixteen says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And so the first action point, what I want to just get right into and what God is teaching us, I believe, how do we build our faith? I just put this diagram up here because in the context of what Jude has been teaching us over the last six, six, seven weeks is number one, we learned that what praying in the spirit means. Praying in the spirit means that I'm following the spirit and what he wants me to be praying. This can also, this can mean in your private prayer time where there's the gift of tongues where we are praying to God in a prayer language that I believe when Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians, there was order to that. And that's a very specific language, prayer language that God gives to some. And that's something, that's a secret place with God. And I believe also what he's teaching us, he's teaching us to pray in the spirit all day long. Lord, I'm in the third aisle at Ralph's Grocery Store. I got to get my chicken wings and got to get my salad dressing, honey mustard. And I happened to notice there was a woman with three kids with a cart full of groceries. And it looked like she wasn't going to be able to pay for all that. Holy Spirit, what do you want me? Do you see? We're talking. We're just talking to God. We're talking to him all the time. Prayer is not just when we're in church service and our life groups or service group. We're talking to him all the time. We're listening to him all the time. And so that's the first thing. How do I position myself so I'm building myself up in the faith? Does this make sense? Number two is so important. We got to study the word. Studying the word, having Bible study, personal study. That means where we're reading the word or we're listening to it on our Bible app, but we're getting that word in. There should be a systematic set time that we have where we're reading the word, we're learning about him, we're digging in down to the, 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 the Greek language and we're getting into concordance and we're learning what is the context of reading the book of 1 Corinthians, what was going on in that city. That's one of the things I love about gathering together for life group is we can do that a little bit more. We have more time than we have on Sunday morning and not to minimize teaching of the word, it's just different, but we need to all be in a place where we're learning and studying the word, right? Number three, is this to participate in life group participate in life group is oh man i wish he didn't bring that up i just don't like people (laughs) need to get over that right because at one point we're all going to need somebody we all need someone or somebody needs you when my when our kids were little we would get them ready for church five and seven years old that was my favorite age five and seven they're still your friend (laughs) they still like you And my wife would say things like, I want you to pick out three people today who are wearing red, and I want you to go up and introduce yourself. She would say things when we were at the soccer field and t-ball and all that stuff. Who are we going to bring to church with us? Who are we going to pray for? It was always about reaching out to other people. And so participating in life group means I'm in with people. People. It may be, "Ah, I don't really feel like going to service today. I just want to sleep in. It's just cold weather, December in the OC, it's 50 degrees, it's really cold out, and I want to stay home, and I'll just watch, watch service online, and that's okay, once in a while, sickness and vacation and all that, we'll give you that, but I just want to say, it may not be, well, I'm not really going to go today, because somebody might need you to be there, when I see some of you, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're still living the faith, these, these people have been walking with the Lord 60, 70, 80, 90 years, and they're still loving Jesus. That encourages my faith. 
So it's not, it's not all about us. It's about people. It's about being in relationship with others. And I just want to encourage you. We have 23, 23 life groups right now that we're just, we love the fact that there's community going on. And you just, it's just good to get in one. You can go online to do that. You can see Pastor Scott to do that. But it's just so good. It helps us to grow in our faith. Um, the next one is giving and serving. For those that went to Mexico, for those that participated in buying a gift for one of our military families here in the area, things like that are just, it's fun to do, just to give back. Folks, um, we want to do something out here on the uh, grass area next year, past Christmas time. And so I wanted to ask for a special, special gift, Christmas gift, financial Christmas gift, above and beyond our regular giving, that's going to go towards what we're going to call the pavilion and the pavilion is just a place where we have more time to meet more people and spend time with people outside after the services are completed. You know, in the OC, it's easy just kind of come and go. We got things to do. I got to go. I got to do this. But we want to spend more time getting to know folks. And so um, there's a slide up here. If we could just put it up there. Um, this is what we're proposing it's going to look like. It's going to be really nice. It's just a, a place for people to gather. You'll notice kind of a park setting over the grass. And that's... This is stuff that only happens through giving. And I just want to ask us to prayerfully consider giving a gift. It's a, if it's a gift of $5, if it's a gift of $100, if it's a gift of $1,000, or I, my wife and I have been praying for 20 years, a gift of a million dollars. This won't cost a million. This is only about 300000 to do all of this, to do it well. But I just wanted to ask you, prayerfully consider doing this. And it's not really so much about this. It's about what happens to us when we give back. When we just say, Lord, you've given me so much, I just want to give back to you. And that attitude and that atmosphere is what I believe God is looking for, for us to build up our faith. The more that we give, the more that we get excited about our faith. I think the next one here is sharing our faith. Sharing our faith story. Each of us have a story to tell. Each of us have an experience with God. And there are so many people you know in your life and my life that are just lost they just, they just don't know Lord, the Lord. They are just missing a piece of the puzzle like we all once were. And God may have positioned you in that workplace, in that neighborhood, in that family circle, in a specific place, a specific time to help bring somebody hope. I just, the more that I'm out there, it's just there's a lack of hope, isn't there? The hope can never be found in government or policies or laws. That's not where hope is found. Our hope is found in the Lord. And people are looking for that. And you and I have been great, given the greatest gift known to all of humanity. And that's the grace and the love of Jesus. The next one that's um, to stay under the favor of God. What does he mean by that? Because I thought God always loves us. But the context of this book is that I have to position myself so that the, the real phrase under that is under the favor of the love of God. It'd be like this. The sun is always shining in SoCal, isn't it, for the most part? But if I'm under the benefit of the warmth and the sunlight that's given by God, if I happen to pop open an umbrella, I'm now blocking the effect of that sun, of its warmth, and the light that it brings. I think um, for a lot of us, yeah, I know God loves me, but I'm just going to pop this up for a moment because I really like to be under my own. 
And God is saying, bring down the umbrella, man. Let my favor fall upon you. Now the question is, how do we do that? One of the ways that we do that, I believe, because these, these principles are all scriptural, is by getting involved in these areas, that'll help me to grow in my faith. And that's what Jude wants. The more that we grow, the more the church becomes powerful. The more the church becomes life-changing. God wants to build you up. And what this, our school, years and years ago, we have a Christian school. We're so grateful that we have a kindergarten all the way through eighth grade. On this campus, we have a preschool and we have a kids club after school. We have about 500 children, I'm sorry, about 650 children between both campuses Monday through Friday. It's such a privilege and a blessing. But one of the things that one of our science teachers came up with was CHI. All of his junior high students, before they graduated, they had to write a paper on what CHI meant. Character, honor, and integrity. That man, it is so good for students to learn that now. And isn't that what Jesus wants us to be built up in? Our character Is it where it ought to be? No. But hopefully we're growing in that. Is our honor and integrity where it should be? No, but we can grow into that. And how do we do that? Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. The more that you and I have an opportunity to step into someone else's pain into someone else's heartache, it's there, I believe, we really are able to be touched by the heart of God. So how do I do this? Seeing people the way Jesus sees them. That's really what Jude is talking about. We, we know those that are trying to divide. I see them for what they are. Do we love them? Yes. Do we give them truth? Absolutely. Do we let them run havoc in the church or a business or breaking up some kind of uh, family? Yeah, no, we would certainly not allow that to happen. So it's good to be aware so that we can identify and always speaking the truth in love. But stepping into someone else's pain, stepping into someone else's shoes without compromising is where we really learn how to snatch someone away from total destruction. There was a pastor who, um, in the Seattle area, had been in his church for, I believe it was about 15 years. He was there for a while, had a wife and three children, served for many years, and there came a point when he got so discouraged in his ministry that he walked into the bishop's office in, in the Episcopal Church. They have bishops that oversee certain uh, counties of the Episcopal Church. He walked into his bishop's office and threw down his Bible and said, I quit. As he wrote a hasty letter of resignation, he threw it down on the bishop's desk and he walked out. He went, went to a quiet place, just he and himself, and wrote another hasty letter of resignation to his family told his wife and three daughters that he was leaving, abandoning not only his family, but abandoning his church. He moved to a small logging town, took a small job, just wanted to get away from it all. One Sunday morning, as he was renting a small aluminum camper, and those have come back in, have you noticed? As he was there, and it was zero, zero outside, just extremely, extremely cold. The portable heater that he had had broke. And in a fit of rage, he 
picked up the heater and he threw it into the glass window of the camper and said, Christ, I hate you. I hate this. Never, ever, ever want to talk to you again. I never want to see you again. I hate what you've done with my life. And in that moment, falling to his knees, he was on that hard floor. He heard the Holy Spirit say to him, Kevin, I understand. I know. I love you. And I am for you. He got up from that experience, drove immediately the next morning to his wife and three children, made amends, reconciled, went back to his bishop and begged for his church back. And now he pastors one of the largest Episcopal churches in the Seattle area. So why, why do I bring this up? Maybe you're here today and you've had a moment Christ, I'm done with you. I'm done with Christianity. It doesn't work. God's not mad at you. I understand, Mike. I understand what you're walking through. I'm not against you. I'm for you. There may be somebody in your life that has thrown it all to the wayside. And God has lovingly positioned you to be there to remind them God isn't against you. He loves you. In that moment, it would seem that there would be an opportunity, would you agree, to share your story. It's part of the conviction that we have as a, as a team, a ministry team here, to do real Love on mission. Uh, one of our servants in the back who works on the tech team says, Pastor Mike, how are you? I said, which answer do you want? Because I can give you the Christian answer. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's great. Our life is just really sucky right now. But I'm trusting God. I'm thinking of, of writing a book called Trying, Trying, to put my hope in God and yet trusting. Because it's hard, isn't it, sometimes? Can I encourage all of us? The world is not looking for a pat answer that your life is all completely in order. That you don't struggle with anything, that you don't have any hurt, that you don't have any pain, that you don't struggle, that you don't have any disappointments. Disappointment with God? Depression in moments. David, if we took a clinical look at depression, there were moments, not I don't believe constantly, but King David had moments of being depressed. And if we dismiss that and say, well, good Christians shouldn't be discouraged. We should always be happy in the Lord. Everything's going to work out great. And we put on the facade. How in the world is the world going to relate to someone who wants to take a broken heater and throw it through a window and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm not, I'm not saying that we should air all of our dirty laundry and everything that we struggle with and all of our pain where we're just one big sore. All I'm saying is there are appropriate measures to be able to be relatable and genuine with people because I guarantee you, you know this as well as I do, there are people in your life 
that when they start to hear your story, that it's not all easy, that they say, oh, I understand. Maybe this Jesus, I could get to know like he knows or she knows. I played tennis with a guy, about, met him about five years ago. And I can talk about him because um, he got saved and he's come into our men's uh, life group and he's, he's just, his life is completely transformed. And he said, yeah, you can share my story with anybody. Nobody liked him. Nobody liked this guy at the tennis club we played with. He just, he just was a ball of anger. He just constantly was on edge. You know, certain people, when they walk into the room, you just, you want to argue with them. This was that guy. And it was interesting because I never participated in this because I always have to watch. I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, try to be, and I'm a pastor. So people, you know, the guys on the team, they call me Father Mike and stuff. But they knew that I was a, a pastor. So I can't be like, yeah, yeah, that guy is really off his rocker. He's just one French fry short of a happy meal. He's just a mess. I would never participate in those conversations, but I would overhear conversations. Yeah, can you believe this guy? Da, 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 da. He's just always fighting and everyone, you want to play against him. We were having a discussion in the parking lot, talking about marriage and family. And a couple of the three or four of us in that circle, all our tennis bags thrown on the asphalt, I just felt like it was a moment just to stay and listen. And the conversation came up about sometimes marriage is hard and it's usually normal. Sometimes. It was like this light went on for him. You mean pastors and Christians sometimes have a difficult time in marriage and relationships? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, I'd be way worse off. Right? My point in all that is I think through just genuineness and being able to hear real stuff. About two months later, he says, you know, I think I'd like to come to your church. I'll come to your church because you play tennis. <laughs> and then the rest is history, man. He, found, he met some of you guys. Dave, right? He's in our life group. He accepted Jesus. He got baptized. He baptized his daughter. I mean, just, he's transformed. Now he's on the tennis court. There's no fighting and arguing. The, guy, the guy's actually really nice. <laughs> now I'm hoping, I'm hoping in about a month I'll be able to be back on the tennis court with him. But my point in all this is God can change anyone. And that's what Jude wants us to know, man. He wants us to grow in our faith. Is it just so that we can be better people? Is it so we can be more like Jesus? That's part of it. But he wants the world to see a real, loving, on mission Christ follower. I just want to encourage you out there. There's one thing the Holy Spirit taught me this morning is be real. Be real. Just be authentic. It's okay to talk about your hurts and struggles and tell them the one who can get you through the hurt and the struggle. And how is it? Through tender mercy. And how else are we going to be able? How else are we going to be able to be tender and mercy hearted towards someone who just doesn't want anything to do with Jesus, but they like you? It's by stepping into their pain. When I lived in Hawaii, I just finish up with this and then a couple of hopefully some real good practical what can we do's. My wife and I had the privilege, I say it again, suffering in Hawaii for six years. We lived on the island of Oahu. I was a youth pastor and loved every minute of it. It was so much fun. And every year they would have a conference and they'd get, of course, the best speakers from all over the world at these, this Christian conference because everybody wants to go to Hawaii. So they'd get all these you know, big time pastors and, and uh, really, really renowned, world renowned speakers. And one of them was Brennan Manning. I love this guy's books. He's just, he's just 
he was a Catholic priest. He became alcoholic. And then he gave his life back to Jesus. Got this incredible story. And the whole thing about his life is that he's so grateful that God loves him and never gave up on him. And so as he's giving this workshop, I was sitting in the front row. And the way that he told this, remember what it said, praying in the spirit? I, I want so much for us to learn to do that. And I think it's a lot more simple than maybe we think. There was a woman who came up to him as he was describing this story, that had real life story that had happened to him. He was at another part of the country giving a workshop, about a thousand people in this auditorium. And after his um, talk, there was a woman that came up and sheepishly, she had kind of waited probably 10 or 15 minutes because it was a long line waiting to talk to the speaker. So as she waited, she came up to him and even not even able to make eye contact, she started crying and she said, um, um, Pastor Brennan, do you think, um, do you think maybe, what is it? Do you think you come see my daddy? The doctors say he's only got maybe two or three days. Every time I ask my pastor to go see him, he's so busy writing his sermons, he never shows up. He says, I'll be there in 10 minutes. He goes in, knocks on the door. His daughter lets him in. He goes up to the room, knocks on the door where her father was, closes the door. And says, um, I'm sorry, you probably don't know me, but your daughter asked if I would just come visit and pray with you. But it looks like you're waiting for somebody as the man was laying down in the bed. And there was an empty chair next to the head post of the bed. So you're probably expecting somebody. He says, the gentleman who was sick, a few days to live. Oh, yeah, the chair. Could you close the door? As he walks over to the bed, Brandon Manning, Pastor Brennan, he's in his mind thinking, what in the world is this? He says, I've never, the man who was sick, I've never told this to anyone. For some reason, I just feel like I need to tell you. For my entire Christian life, I have wanted to learn how to pray. Like the Bible says, praying in the spirit and having this joy and constant conversation with God. But every time I'd pick up a book, I couldn't get past the first five paragraphs because I didn't understand any of the words. Or when I asked my pastor to kind of explain prayer, he went into this long dissertation and I could never make sense of it until one of my closest friends said, you know what? I think prayer is just simply this, talking to Jesus like you talk to one of your friends. And what I've been doing is I just get a chair and I put a chair face to face and I just imagine Jesus sitting in the chair and I talk to him. And then he asked this, Pastor Brennan, do you think that that's prayer? With tears down Pastor Brennan's face, he said, oh, I think it delights the heart of God. Two days later, the daughter who asked Pastor Brennan to come visit her father called Pastor Brennan and said, I'm so sorry to say my father passed. In his last moments, he kissed me on the cheek. And then the weirdest thing happened, Brennan. He leaned his head over on the empty chair and passed away. I guess my question to us and to myself, do I know that Jesus? And there are people in our life 
who don't. We will not be able to strong arm someone. We will not be able to convince somebody. But a life, what he's talking about here, growing, building up our faith, is not just about us. It's so that others can see Jesus. I tell you, I am learning a couple of things and then we'll be done. I'm learning about the empty chair. And you know, when Jesus, I believe, who wrote the whole Bible, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, when he wrote and told David, I want you to write this down in the 23rd Psalm, he is my shepherd. Right? And through the latter part of that Psalm, sometimes he makes me lie down in green pastures. Why? the quiet waters as he refreshes our soul so that we can refresh others. That's what Jude was talking about. How many agree? God loves Wall Street executives, right? God loves frat boys. God loves people raised in the church all their life. God loves hell angels. God loves prostitutes, escorts, families falling apart, gang members, firefighters, doctors, truck drivers, pol- politicians, rednecks, blue necks, green necks, rednecks, grain wrecks, dishwashers, seminary grads, teachers, construction workers. This church, MVCC, will always be a hospital for hurting people. And that's why this makes so much impact. But you, dear friends, building yourselves up in the most holy place, I'm making a decision today, God. To get in a life group. I'm making a decision to really serve you. I'm making a decision to pray in the spirit. To live in your favor. Why? To keep yourselves in the love under the favor. As you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. For those who have questions. For those who are hostile. Be merciful to them. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To the apostates who try and divide, everybody still has a chance. To those who don't even know what we're talking about, they have a chance. Showing mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the corrupted flesh. We want to turn away from the flesh and turn to the spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.